this Friday. Your favorite emotions are back on the big screen in Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. It's time to greet your Team Riley. It's anger. Let me at him. Fear. Safety checklist is complete. Disgust. Ew, ew. Ugh. Sadness is in the house. Oh, no. Hello, I'm anxiety. I'm one of Riley's new emotions. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. There's a part two? We're going. Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only in theaters Friday. Get tickets now. Welcome to the Successful Farming Podcast. I'm Jody Henke. This 2020 Farm Health and Wealth episode is sponsored by Ag Resource Management. Farming doesn't always work. Sometimes you just have to admit to yourself that continuing down the same path is not going to be profitable. But to make the next step, you have to have a plan B in mind. Joining me on this podcast is Tara Johnson. She is the founder and director of the Food Finance Institute, which is part of the Institute for Business and Entrepreneurship at the University of Wisconsin. Tara is also the host of a podcast called Edible Alpha and the founder of a business called Tara's Way. She once had to come up with a plan B and coined a term for it, failing fast forward. Well, for one, Tara, I wonder when you find time to sleep with everything that you do. But you also have <laughs> you also have an interesting story on how Tara's way got started and how failing fast forward was what you had to embrace. Yeah, yeah. So, so Tara's way is a brand that if you go to a Whole Foods anywhere in the country these days, or I call them the hippie co-ops, it's also in, a, in mainstream places like GNC and Kroger. I never thought it would be in Kroger, but it's also in Hy-Vee, which is in your neck of the woods. So really wide distribution. And so that's how people usually know me. And I started that business because I saw the opportunity. I was running a cheese company and we made organic cheese and we couldn't add value to the way. I helped sell that company, the cheese company, back to the third generation of the family that founded it. And I was too young to retire. So I decided I would be the crazy person who would take on this challenge of creating a business that would have the processing facility to make organic way for human consumption. At the time, there was no plan anywhere in the world doing that. So that was why nobody who makes who made organic cheese at the time could add value to the way. And it was even worse with goat whey because they, um, you had to land spread it because you couldn't mingle it with cow whey. So I saw that opportunity and I knew the cheesemakers because I'd been one of them. And so I was the one who took on that challenge. And $14 million turned out to be the smallest plant I could possibly build that could um, keep these different kinds of ways separate. So it would batch process, which was, at the time, there was no other plant in the world like that. And so I had to raise all that money, which I did. It took two years to do that. My banker joked at the time that my deal was the last to close before the economy fell apart. So if you all remember 2008, you'll remember that falling apart of the economy thing. So we decided, well, we were going to keep blasting forward. We built our plant and it was ready to start up in the beginning of 2009 and the economy was still really bad. So I had had these letters of intent from both suppliers and customers that I used to help justify the financing. And half of the people who said they would supply me 
ended up not supplying. And 100% of the customers who said they would buy from us decided they wouldn't. And the reason was the economy was like in a free fall at the time. And this was all going to be new product development for these companies. And nobody was doing new product development when the economy was falling apart. So we did two things. This is getting into the failing fast forward thing. So here we are. If we didn't move quickly, we would have failed. So we did two things. The first thing was we got our plant certified to ship to an infant formula company, which is a really hard thing to do in the world of quality assurance. But we were a brand new plant and um, and a small sort of nimble team. So we, we managed to do that in like a three-month period, which would take maybe a year in a bigger company. So we did that. And then the second thing we did was accelerate the launch of our brand. So, you know, if nobody else is going to launch brands, we might as well do it ourselves. We always intended to have one, but we decided we would do it faster. So six months after we started up the plant, we launched the brand. Tara's way. And Whole Foods took it almost nationally right out of the gate, which is an awesome thing. I learned that on the day the Secretary of Agriculture for the state of Wisconsin was at our plant for a big grand opening. So it was very exciting, right? And I was thrilled. And then I went home that night and realized I had nowhere near enough cash to support rolling out a national brand. So I had to go and raise more money to support that in the middle of the, still the middle of the recession. And, you know, it was hard, but it's a lot easier when it's to support a big account like that, as opposed to just a dream, right? It was proof that things would work and that customers would want the product. And those two things proved to be, you know, the linchpins of our success moving forward from there. When you're advising people on coming up with their own plan B or whatever, you had to work quick. Some people just don't have the time or even the thought. So what do you advise them to do? There are a couple of things. So one thing is the quick thing is usually really important. The longer you wait to do this stuff, the worse hole you dig yourself into financially, right? And the less flexibility you have. So the first thing I do is tell people that. The second thing is often when you're in this situation, I call it like monkey brain, like you're really stressed, right? Because things aren't working. You're probably losing money. And you go into this sort of anxiety state where you don't make good decisions, right? You're kind of mired in the day-to-day and you can't see the forest through the trees often when you're in that state. So I often suggest ironically, that people have to figure out, everybody's got their own way of doing this, but it's really important to get away and relax in order to be able to think when you're in a pressured situation like that. So I talk to people about that. And then, you know, once you're in that state, it's much easier to start thinking about options. Then people will invariably be kind of like, oh, yeah, well, maybe I could do this. It was sort of like us saying, well, if nobody's going to buy bulk way to make a bar with it, we're just going to have to take it to infant formula. And then what does that mean, right? You just start being much more able to make good creative thoughts. And then the other thing I encourage people to do is, which we did, was I didn't know how to get certified to ship to an infant formula company. So I immediately found people to help. 
often I think another thing that happens when businesses are not working is people kind of hunker down and they don't want to talk to people about the fact that it's not working. And that's probably the worst thing to do because often by talking to people, you get ideas that you never would have thought of on your own or you get expertise to do new things that you couldn't have done on your own. Should you always have something maybe in the back of your mind or do most people just wait until, oh my gosh, I got to do something right now? Well, I mean, I would love to say that I thought everybody kind of always had a plan B lurking in the back of their mind, but I think that's not how to say this, entrepreneurs tend to have very strong vision. That's what they do. The good thing about that is they see things before other people see them. The bad thing is that we kind of get attached to them, right? And so sometimes it's hard for entrepreneurs to even think about a plan B, right? It's like, I'm going to just beat this path to death because this was my idea and my vision. Instead of saying, you know, the vision was that ultimate goal, and maybe there are different paths for reaching that ultimate goal. You have to step back a little bit and let go of what the specifics of it were, and that can often be hard for entrepreneurs. And there's a lot of farmers out there, and I don't mean to stereotype, but it may sound like it, that I'm doing it this way, we've always done it this way, gosh darn it, we're going to continue doing it this way till I'm, you know, in the ground. Right. How do you deal with those people? I use the word entrepreneur when I talk about farmers, which in and of itself is kind of an interesting thing because I'm not sure that farmers always think of themselves as entrepreneurs, but I think they are. You know, my definition of an entrepreneur is somebody who takes calculated risks in a business that they run, which the way farmers do that. So it is this calculated risk thing that is at the heart of it, right? So people are you know, boy, we're going to do it the same way that we always have because that feels less risky because it's been proven to work in the past. And the trap of that is when the world changes, something in the external environment around the farm is changing or something happened on the farm that has changed. Maybe, you know, maybe there are different family members involved now or something. And once those changes happen, staying where you are actually doesn't produce the same result anymore. It produces a different result because the situation has changed. So when I work with people about that, I try to talk to them about their farm and what's going on on their farm to try to elevate what has changed, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Because I think that is the starting point for seeing the opportunity that could come if what you did on the farm changed. Well, when we come back, we'll hear about some of the examples of entrepreneurial successes on the farm. Stay tuned. More farmers are feeling a real credit crunch. Input consolidation, low commodity prices, and land ownership all come into play. But if you're feeling it, you know that. That's why technology-driven modern lenders like Ag Resource Management are becoming the future of operational cash flow. Meet the alternative lenders at armlend.com and get funded with crop-based loans and insurance that get you capital based on your ability to grow and nothing else. Visit armland.com today because next season won't wait. Their attentive market leaders make lending decisions faster and get you capital quicker. Get funded today and seize next season at armland.com, the future of ag lending. That's A-R-M-L-E-N-D.com. Tara, you've helped many people create resilient food and farming businesses. What are some of the successes that you've seen? 
and I guess this is related to the podcast that you mentioned called Edible Alpha, where I interview people in food and ag and all stakeholders, so bankers and investors and other folks who contribute to the success of these businesses. We just released one, which is such a great example of what we've been talking about. It's a farm outside of Madison. It's called Campo de Bella. And when the couple started it, they thought they were going to be a vineyard. Like, they thought they were going to make wine. They're second-generation Italian, so they have wine and food in their, you know, in their blood. And it turns out that it's hard to grow grapes here for wine. And so the wine, you know, not frequently do we have really great years. And then recently we've had so much moisture that it's been even more difficult. So they started as this vineyard, realized that this may not be the easiest thing to do. And actually, even before that, she had started as a CSA. So she was doing vegetables as a CSA. Then they started the vineyard, realized that the vineyard probably wasn't going to work. They had a batch of wine that um, was very vinegary. And then they realized that there is no product here, certainly in this part of the country, that is kind of like balsamic vinegar, you know, that is aged like they do in Italy. So they decided to take, literally take their vinegar and make vinegar, and they're aging it right now. So, you know, lemons and lemonade. And then the other big thing they did was realize they both loved to cook, and they had this building where they intended to make wine, and so they decided to start cooking for people. So they did this in pop-ups, like they would pop up in a restaurant. They would have an event venue, and they proved to be super popular. They do like three-course traditional Italian meals, and Saturdays they do five-course, and they did really well. And now they have built a dining area onto the barrier where they're making wine. So now you can go to Campo de Bella and have a five-course Italian meal with wine on a Saturday night. And when I interviewed them, it was, I think it was like August, September, and they were almost sold out through the year. They only see 20 people there. So it's not, you know, it's not a big restaurant. They only do this Friday and Saturday night. So the thing about this is they were trying things they weren't working, but instead of trying to do the same thing that's not working, they kept failing fast forward and ended up with something for their farm. I also work with production farmers, so, you know, a couple hundred acres, and it's a third generation. Second generation were pretty traditional beef farmers. Third generation really got into more of a grass-fed model for the farm. The Bryson General say it's taken three, four, five years to get the previous generation to feel comfortable with what they were doing because it was very new on the farm. But now one of the things I love to see is how supportive and enthusiastic their dad is because he's seen the success that the kids are having farming in a different way. The other thing that's different about them is their dad always shipped cattle to the wholesale market, and um, Bryce and Jen are starting to do more direct marketing. So that's very different, too. The marketing part of what they do is very different. So husbandry practices are really different. Genetics of the cattle are really different. Markets are really different. So it's a very different farm now. So, yeah, a lot of change for them, but it's fun for me to work with 
a farm like that over a period of time and see the transition happen. I'm sure not every story is a success story like these two examples, but it's achievable. Right. And and remember, both of them failed. Like I said, I, the word I used is fail, right? Because this is not an easy process. It involves pain and failure along the way. And I think the key to it is being willing to be flexible and say, okay, well, this isn't working. What can we do that will work and not get stuck in what's not working, if that makes sense? Absolutely. You have said that consumer support can carry you through tough times, and we'll talk about that when we come back. More farmers are feeling a real credit crunch. Input consolidation, low commodity prices, and land ownership all come into play. But if you're feeling it, you know that. That's why technology-driven modern lenders like Ag Resource Management are becoming the future of operational cash flow. Meet the alternative lenders at armlend.com and get funded with crop-based loans and insurance that get you capital based on your ability to grow and nothing else. Visit armlend.com today because next season won't wait. Their attentive market leaders make lending decisions faster and get you capital quicker. Get funded today and seize next season at armlend.com, the future of ag lending. That's A-R-M-L-E-N-D.com. Well, Tara, you can have the best idea in the world for some new venture on the farm, but if you don't have anybody to buy your products or services, what are you going to do? So how can consumers help a farmer get back on his or her feet? Oh, that's such a great question. I mean, I think both of those examples that I gave you are highlighting situations where farms are now opening themselves to consumers in the sense that they're selling products directly to consumers or they're having dinners on their farm or they have a farm stand on their farm or something. I think that there's nothing like making choices about how you spend your money and doing it in a way that supports farmers directly like that. There's nothing more powerful than that for the farmers. And it's also wonderful for consumers because they get to interact personally with farmers. They get to see farms and visit them because we're not in a situation anymore where the majority of the folks out there grew up on a farm, right? It's a very small percentage who have any practical real-life experience with a farm at all. So not only do you get to buy the product, but you get to experience agriculture. And that's a really great thing for farmers. And it's a really great thing for consumers too. Do you have any other advice for people who may already be failing fast forward or think Mm -hmm. they might or words of wisdom for folks who may be facing this at some point? The biggest I have is hang in there. Hang in there in the sense of dealing with the stress of the situation can be really overwhelming. And as I said, it can get in the way of your ability to move forward. So know that you can work your way through it. Reach out for help because it can be critical, it can bring new ideas, and understand that this failing fast-forward thing is a part of being an entrepreneur. It's part of being an entrepreneurial farmer. It won't be smooth, like nothing about farming is ever smooth, I don't think, but, but this whole process is not smooth. It's just, you know, and I think we have this kind of fantasy in our culture, because what we hear about is these really successful, you know, startups or something like Apple or something. But if you look under the hood, Apple almost failed and shut down several times along the way. I mean, this process is a very common one for anybody trying to do something new. All right. 
Thank you so much, Tara Johnson. This 2020 Farm Health and Wealth episode was brought to you by Ag Resource Management. For Successful Farming, I'm Jody Henke.